Hi, gang. Welcome back to Vox Tablet, the weekly podcast of Tablet Magazine. I'm your host, I'm Sarah Ivory, and today, a story about Thanksgiving with a Persian twist. Esther Amini's family takes Thanksgiving very seriously. Or rather, Amini's Iranian mother, whom the family calls Bibi, takes the holiday very seriously. And such is the power of this particular matriarch that year after year, the rest of the family sees little choice but to follow her lead. On today's podcast, we'll hear more about Bibi, who's the subject of one of eight funny and moving vignettes about Iranian Jewish women in a stage production called Saffron and Rosewater. First, though, we're talking with the creator of the show, Rhonda Spinak. Spinak is the artistic director and co-founder of the Jewish Women's Theater. Rhonda Spinak, welcome to Vox Tablet. Thank you, Sarah. It's nice to be here. I want to ask you about the origins of Saffron and Rosewater, but before we do that, I wonder if you can tell us briefly, what is the Jewish Women's Theater? Sure. Uh, Jewish Women's Theater is an organization, a nonprofit that started five, six years ago to give voice to Jewish women in America today. And our focus is to create new works that reflect our lives in the 21st century. The latest production is made up of stories by and about Persian Jewish women, of which there are many in Los Angeles. How did you come to these stories? How did you collect them? Well, that's a good question. I knew of a couple prominent writers, Gina Nahai. She and I had gone to a writing program together. And um, so, and she writes for the Jewish Journal here in Los Angeles. And so we reached out to her to see if she might be interested in letting us adapt a piece to the stage. And then I just through serendipity, met up with a recently graduated USC student who had done a paper on women rabbis, and that's another area of interest of mine. And I mentioned to her that our board had made a decision to to do a, a, a show around the Persian Jewish woman, and we started talking. She happened to be Persian, and I knew that, and asked her if she would like to be a co-producer and help us find voices that had been discovered and voices that had not been uh, known to um, non-Persians for the most part. And she said she would be very interested. And so together, we made a list and we began to do some outreach. And the community was very, very open to this. Uh, And we reached out to Angela Nazarian, who had written a a book about her life, or it was partial memoir and partial poetry, about how she left Iran at 11, and her mother put a, a bunch of necklaces around her uh, neck under her cardigan sweater to smuggle through in the airport on, on, during the revolution, uh, where there was chaos and confusion and people disappearing and what that felt like to her. And then coming to America, where she lived from 11 to 16 without her parents. Her mother went back to Iran to bring her dad out, and they couldn't get out for six years. And so she lived with her siblings in in a house here in Los Angeles. And what it was like to to grow up through those formative years without a mother, and what it was like re-meeting your mother going from a little girl to a young woman almost at 16. So so the themes of immigration and the trauma of relocation were uh, were common among the stories that you got? 
Yeah, I would say Saffron and Rosewater is, in a sense, a classic story of immigration, Jewish immigration. It's a classic Jewish story of uh, Jews leaving one country for another, uh, holding tight to a culture that they've just left, and trying to figure out how to be a part of a new culture. And if you look through the history of Jews, I mean, really the last however many years, I mean, thousand years, whatever, it's our story. And it just happens to be Iran and America in this particular situation, this particular story. Well, we're very excited that we're able to present one of the stories from the show on the podcast today. Uh, the one that we're about to hear is called Saffron Rice and Cranberry Sauce. It was written by Esther Amini, and it's performed for us today by one of the actresses in the show. Her name is Roxana Rostigar. I wonder, Rhonda, is there anything you want us to know about it before we listen to Roxana's performance? I love this piece, Saffron Rice and Cranberry Sauce. Uh, whether one is an immigrant or one is a national born here in America, it speaks to the kinds of freedoms that we all are blessed with by living in this country and are reminded that many people come here from faraway places who didn't enjoy those freedoms. And it reminds us to be grateful for what America does give us. And it also is a kind of a fun twist on Thanksgiving, that Thanksgiving can be adapted by whatever culture uh, you come from. And this is one of those stories. Great. Let's give it a listen. Saffron Rice and Cranberry Sauce by Esther Amini Thanksgiving Day always brings Bibi to mind. Bibi, which in Farsi means grandma, was what my children and all her other grandchildren and eventually all of us called my mother. Bibi would buy the very largest turkey she could find and tightly stuff it with saffron Persian rice. She'd bake endless apple pies. She always made sure there were grilled corn on the cup and bountiful bowls of jumbo sweet potatoes. She even made cranberry sauce, totally unappealing to our Persian palates, which nonetheless was placed smack in the center of the table even though every year it was left untouched. Just like the shank bone on the Passover Seder plate, cranberry sauce had its own place of honor on our Thanksgiving table. Bibi was born in 1925 and orphaned during infancy. She was raised in the anti-Semitic Islamic city of Mashhad, Iran. Mashhad is considered one of the holiest cities in the Shiite Muslim world. Millions made yearly pilgrimages to Mashhad, paying homage to the 9th century martyr, Imam Reza, who's buried there. In order to escape persecution and even death, Bibi and her Jewish community pretended to be Muslim. Just like the Moranos of Spain, they artfully balanced dual identities. Outdoors, while shopping in the market, Bibi wore the black chador which concealed her face and entire body. In the privacy of her home, she strictly kept kosher, 
braided khalas, and lit Shabbat candles. Each year, months prior to Passover, women gathered in her basement and secretly by candlelight baked matzah. The Jewish men of Mashhad, also posing as Muslim, chanted from the Quran in the public squares alongside their Muslim neighbors. Back home, in the safety of their basements, they taught their young sons the Hebrew language and fervently studied Torah. Street stonings and beatings of Jews were a common occurrence. The Jews lived in constant fear of persecution. Jewish infants, while still in their cribs, were often paired off for marriage by their parents. Bibi explained that this was done to safeguard their children from intermarriage. If a Muslim should happen to knock on their door and ask for their young daughter's hand in marriage, the parents could truthfully reply, she's already spoken for. As was customary in those days, Bibi, at the age of 14, was married off to my then 34-year-old father. When she was 15, she gave birth to her first child, my eldest brother. I was born later in America, and from very early on, I understood that Bibi, steeped as she once was in the Muslim culture of Chador's, took Thanksgiving very seriously. For her, it was not a secular national holiday. For Bibi, it stood side by side with Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, and Passover. Each year, my married brothers and I with my husband were sternly ordered to come to her home with our families to pay homage to her and to Thanksgiving. No one dared to be at an in-law's home on this holiday. On Thanksgiving, we all belonged to Bibi. Come to think of it, we all belong to Bibi on Rosh Hashanah, Sukkot, Hanukkah, Passover, Mother's Day, and every other holiday on the calendar. Traditionally, my father began Thanksgiving by reciting the Hamutzi, followed by Bibi's recitation entitled Pilgrims and Plymouth Rock. She passionately told the story of the Mayflower and how the American Indians taught the pilgrims to grow sweet potatoes and corn, all learned from Mrs. Rochlin, her adored Queen's College English for Foreigners teacher. We doubled over laughing while poking fun at Bibi's intensity. With her broken English and with a thick Persian accent, she would become her revered Mrs. Rochlin, teaching us all about Indians on Plymouth Rock. Given the pitch and passion in her voice, one would have thought the Indians were her forefathers. I always felt Thanksgiving had a personal meaning for her. Having left Iran in 1946 for India, then having left India in 1947 for America, with her husband and two young sons, not on the Mayflower, but on the U.S. Marine Adar. Throughout my life, she'd tell me how America gave her religious freedom. Only here in America could she live openly as a Jew. Only in America could she send her children to Hebrew school, shop at kosher butchers, and not be afraid of being stoned. Only in America could she be surrounded by multiple synagogues from which to choose. Having grown up behind a black chador, concealing her face and her Judaism, she no longer needed to hide. Perhaps... Somewhere inside Bibi, there lived a pilgrim. 
The Saffron Rice and Cranberry Sauce was written by Esther Amini and performed by Roxana Rastigar. The stories in the show Saffron and Rosewater. It'll be performed this Saturday at the 92nd Street Y in Manhattan. For more information on the show and on other productions by the Jewish Women's Theater, come to our website, tabletmag.com. If you liked our podcast today, why not share it with other people? We've switched to a new audio player, SoundCloud, and it makes it incredibly easy for you to share what you've heard on Facebook, on Twitter, through email, whatever. Don't just keep Vox Tablet to yourself. Share it with the whole wide world. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm Sarah Ivory, your host. As always, we thank you so much for listening.